Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today I'm going to cover the Lord of the Rings series by J.R.R. Tolkien. This is a set of three books that make up the Lord of the Rings, and then I added The Hobbit at the very beginning. So four books in total. These were books 12 through 15 for my 2021 reading list. Well, this series took me nearly a month to read, and while I was reading it, I would I would talk to people and tell them that I was reading this series, and I got a common response from people, and that, and that was, they would just kind of look at me with a quizzical look and, and, and as if to say, wait, you've waited this long in your life to read this series? What's, what's the matter with you? How did, how did you get this far in life without having read that series? And I get the sentiment, but uh, I, I actually had read parts of it. So I, I remember as a child, I, I had this black copy of The Hobbit, and it had this ugly Hobbit on the front. And I, and I would carry that around, and I, I doubt I ever made it through the, the entire book. I, w- I was very young, but I, I do remember having that book and, and carrying it around. Well, fast forward to the summer of 2000, I studied at, at Oxford for the summer, and part of the reason was just to be in the place where C.S. Lewis and, and J.R.R. Tolkien had, had had their friendship and had, had spoken about these books together and, and, and written these books and had the Inklings group, and so I just wanted to be amidst that, that atmosphere. And so while I was there, I bought The Hobbit, and I believe I read it around that time. And then in 2002, I bought the Lord of the Rings series, and I started reading it, and I, I, I made it through The Fellowship of the Ring, the first book, but I didn't get any, any further past that. And in fact, I even bought the movies, and I couldn't even get past the first movie. See, I have this issue with fantasy books, and it actually extends to sci-fi and, and kind of things along that that spectrum of 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 types of books and, and even movies. Uh, I know this may be blasphemous to some of you, but I, I can't even I, I don't even really enjoy Star Wars and I've never really enjoyed fantasy. And I I think it goes back to well just when I when I read fantasy books, my mind just wanders. And I think part of that is that I don't see the relevance to my life. Uh, just take the last series of books I read, the LBJ series, the Lyndon B. Johnson series by Robert Carroll. That's like my ideal set of books. I'm learning about political history, uh, just U.S. history. I'm learning about people. And all of these things I'm learning about may show up in other books. And so I, I approach these in, in a way that anything I'm reading about, it, I, I need to know this because this, this could come up later. Whereas when I'm reading fantasy, I'm reading about a world that doesn't exist. I'm reading about characters that I will not see anywhere else. What's the point? Why, 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 should, why should I be doing it? Why should I care? And, and I find my mind just wandering and I'll miss like what happened in the last 10 pages because I'm just, I, I, I'm kind of having those thoughts of what, what is the point of this? And so I've just never really been able to get into fantasy. And even the start this time of, of starting with The Hobbit last month, I, I almost stopped after reading The Hobbit. I, just, I did not enjoy it. 
And to think that I still had three books, the the Lord of the Rings series to go in, in just with that mindset, I, I was, I was, I almost gave up. I, I almost just moved on to the next series of books. But I shared that after reading The Hobbit, I shared on social media that I just had trouble with it. I'm, I, I apologize to all the Lord of the Rings fans out there, but I just didn't like it and I couldn't get into it. And I had a friend write back and he said, Eric, read it as though it were true. And so I did that. I, I picked up the next book. I picked up Fellowship of the Ring and I started to read it as if it were true. And it changed everything. It 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 made it it made it come alive. I I enjoyed it, and I started. I, I I then I couldn't put it down, and I I thoroughly enjoyed reading the Lord of the Rings series. And I I think this is the start of a shift in my mind to where I will be able to read fantasy books and and perhaps even sci-fi books going forward because of this different approach. And see, I, I think what that did, I think the, the, the issue of reading it as if it were true, I think what that did is it broke down this feel, the feeling of, of irrelevance to me. I began paying attention to the characters. I took out the maps, the, 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 the versions of, of the Lord of the Rings that I had. Uh, they had these huge maps that, that were, were fold-out maps. And I, so I just had those next to me while I was reading. I was marking down the places where they were, writing the page number where when they were at those places. And I just, I, I kind of got enveloped in the world. Um, I would listen to the soundtracks from the movies, but then also just music that kind of fit the theme of these books. And, and, and I would start just listening to that over and over, and, and especially while I was reading it. So it was just, I, w- I was just, in, for this the past month, I was in this mindset. And it, it surprised me. It surprised me that I enjoyed it as much as I did, especially after not enjoying The Hobbit. And so that was a, an epiphany for me. I'm very glad my friend suggested doing that. And, and, I, and I wanted to mention that at the start of this episode, because maybe you're in a similar situation. Maybe it's a novel or maybe it's a, um, just a different type of book that, that you, that you don't enjoy. You've never been able to get into, and maybe it's just shifting your mindset a little bit in going into that book and it may make all the difference. So just a quick synopsis here of, of the Lord of the Rings series, uh, the Hobbit, there's Bilbo Baggins and he comes across a ring. And, and then when we start in the Lord of the Rings, uh, Bilbo Baggins is, is, is giving this ring to Frodo and Frodo Baggins is, uh, is, is, is off on an adventure and Gandalf, the wizard finds out that the ring that Frodo is now carrying is the ring. It is the one ring. It is the powerful ring. And it has these, this ability to, to tempt people into very bad things. Uh, if, if, if people want to have this ring because they think if, if, they, if they can just get this ring, if they can get this power, then they can do good things. But it, it ends up corrupting whoever has the ring. And, and the more they use it, the more corrupted they get into the point where we see this character Gollum. And he is just a... a a piece of what he once was. He's just, he's kind of turned into a monster and it's because he's had this ring and it's become his precious. And well, they realize they need to unmake this ring. They need to destroy this ring. And the only way to do that is to take it to where it was forged in Mordor and to throw it into the fire there. And so Frodo 
signs up for that task and and that's that's what we read about we read about the fellowship the the people that traveled with frodo on this adventure um we read about the path to mordor throughout throughout this series so it's just a, a brief synopsis uh you may have, have read the books or or seen the movies and uh and, and so i'll go into it a little bit more uh in in this episode in the, in the next section but uh, just quickly, reading stats, the, the entire series, uh, so Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, took a total of 49 hours and 20 minutes, and I read it from April 7th through May 5th of 2021. So I just finished it last night, late last night. I, I stayed up and, and finished the rest of it. That averaged out to 53 pages per day. Uh, it was total 1,451 pages for all four of those books. So the next segment here, I'm going to dig down into the ring what does it mean what what does it signify uh and then and then i want to share some things that i that i just loved about this series in the final segment i'll share my one thing my one key takeaway from the lord of the rings sometimes at this point i give a spoiler alert but i'm really going to try not to to give too many spoiler alerts in this episode i kind of just take a step back in the discussion, not get too deep into the nitty gritty. So <clears throat> if, you, if you haven't read it and you plan to, um, I, I will try as hard as I can not to, to give too much away about the series. One of the joys of this reading project is connecting ideas from, from different books and even being influenced by books that, that I've just read. So I, I choose the books I'm going to read a year in advance, and then I run them through an, uh, a randomizer because I know uh, even if it's unconscious, I would I would put the books I'm most excited about at the very top of the list. Uh, but by randomizing them, I, I don't have any control over the, the order. And especially in a year like this where I'm focused on series of books, it's it's just fun to make connections between these books. And so... I'm spending so much time on these series that it the the topics the ideas are deep in my mind. So I finished the Lyndon B. Johnson series by Robert Carroll before I started this Lord of the Rings series. So I'm obviously still thinking a lot about Lyndon B. Johnson as I'm reading the Lord of the Rings. And so in this in this section in this segment, I wanted to talk about the Ring first. And just different things I was thinking about the ring. You know, what, what does it mean? What does it signify uh, as I'm reading The Lord of the Rings? And, and the first thing I thought about was heavily influenced by having just come off the Robert Caro series about LBJ. And so that was to view the ring in, in, in this sense of power. And I guess the best way I know how to describe it is to reference a, a movie. And that movie is Gladiator. Now, in Gladiator, there's Marcus Aurelius, and he has to choose the, the person that will succeed him in, in power as, as emperor. And one choice is his son, who is, is not, a, not a good man. And the other choice is Maximus, um, the, the slave that, that became a general. And uh, Marcus Aurelius separately asks each of those men, are, are you ready to, to lead? And the answer is telling. So when Marcus Aurelius asks his son that, his son said, yes, father, I'm, I'm ready to lead. And Marcus Aurelius replies as, you, you, are, you are not ready to lead. You will, you will not lead. But when Marcus Aurelius asks Maximus that same question, Maximus replies and says, I, I'm, I'm not ready to, to lead. And 
Marcus Aurelius replies and said, you, you are the person for this job because, because you know that, that you're not ready. And, and so just that difference in response and Marcus Aurelius ends up choosing Maximus to, to lead. Very similar thing happens with the ring in, in the, this thirst for, for power. So uh, Gandalf is speaking of Bilbo to Frodo, and and Gandalf says this. He says, he began ownership of the ring with pity, and he began ownership of the ring with pity for Gollum. And that was the right way to to begin the ownership of the ring. There was almost a, a fear of of the power of the ring. So in this book, we, we see a couple different ways of, of people approaching the ring. And, and that's the first one of just a fear, a trepidation, a, a, a knowledge of, of its power and the potential of being tempted by that power. You contrast that with those who wanted the ring for the power that it gave them. And they might have this good idea in mind that if, you know, if they just had the ring, then then they could use that ring to do good, and they, they could over, overcome the evil by by having this ring. Uh, but then there was also those who who wanted the ring for the power, and they knew that they were not going to use it for for good purposes. It was it was just to take over. It was it was to to perhaps even get more evil. Reminded me of LBJ, and LBJ wanted power for power's sake. So if if LBJ was thrown into the Shire and thrown into Mordor. He would be the guy in there wanting the ring for power's sake, but not even to do good with it. He would just want the ring to be in power to further his ambition. And uh, so that was one side of the ring, just this this side of power and, and thinking about LBJ. Uh, another side of it was just there was a sense with the ring that that if you had it, you would be going past some something, going past a line that that you should not cross. And LBJ did that often in his life, uh, just with with things that he would do. But one in particular with the Senate race of 1948, where he just blatantly stole that election, and there there was no coming back after that. I mean, there there was no you you couldn't. You couldn't say, "Oh, it was just." It was. I mean, he would he would kind of joke that he he had done that. So, first, this 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 the ring, this signifying power, and 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 you see different responses to that power of of either trepidation to it, like Maximus, or I want this power, like like uh, Marcus Aurelius's son. Another way I I started viewing the ring, maybe more towards the end of the book was uh, in reference to a book I read last year, and that was the first book on my list, and that was the Bible. And so I started viewing the ring as as analogous to sin. And there, there were just different different lines in the book that that really got me thinking of it in, in this term. And, and one of the, the first was, the it was called, The Very Desire of, of It Corrupts the Heart. So the very desire of the ring corrupts the heart. And so that, that was part of the reason that, that Frodo had this trepidation of, of the ring, because he knew that it, would, it could uh, corrupt his heart. And I think back to you know, one of the first pages of the Bible where, where the, uh, Eve is tempted by the, the serpent. And the serpent says to Eve, 
says, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And your eyes, the, just this line, your eyes will be opened. And, and you read in the, in the Lord of the Rings when uh, either Bilbo or Sam or Frodo put on the ring, that their eyes are opened in a sense. They're, they have like a, it's, they see a different reality and things are different. They see, they can see into Mordor. They can see the, the eye staring at them. They can, everything around them kind of becomes hazy. It, it changes how they see reality. And so, uh, the, this ring, it, it, it corrupts the heart, but when you put it on, it changes actually how you see reality. The, the ring is described in these books as being forged in evil. So it, it was made in evil. It was made in Mordor. And you just contrast that. It was not forged in good. It, w- it was forged in evil. There, there's this picture of what it, what it means to be enslaved to it. And in Return of the King, the, the, final, the final book, the, uh, there's this line of Gollum's shriveled mind and body enslaved to that ring, unable to find peace or relief ever in life again. So just this, this idea of him being enslaved to that ring. And in the Bible, it talks about being enslaved to sin. The, the last thing is in, in Return of the King, um, Gandalf is, is talking and they're kind of discussing, you know, was, was this a smart thing to do to give this ring to Frodo, to have him take it to, to Mordor, to, to, to destroy it? Was that the, the, the wise thing to do? And Gandalf said, in wisdom or great folly, it has been sent away to be destroyed, lest it destroy us. There's a lot of talk in the Bible of, of, of the destruction of, of sin as well. So the more I read about the ring and, and the power of the ring, the more I started seeing it in line of, of sin. And I'm sure there are just a ton of other ways to, to think about the ring. And so if, if you've thought about uh, different ways, I'd love to hear from you and, and I'll share how you can reach me at, at the end of this episode. But um, those are just a few different ways that I, as I was reading the book, I, I was thinking about the ring and just what does this mean? What 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 is what is something that that we can relate to that that this ring signifies? And and so those are a few of the ideas. Next, I just want to go into a few things that that I loved about this series. Again, I just did not love fantasy going into this. I didn't even like The Hobbit when I read it, but I I came to just fall in love with this series. And so here are a few things that that really stuck out to me as I read it. One was was a almost constant reference to childhood songs, um, childhood songs, folklore, the stories that they grew up with. And this was in every single book. It was in The Hobbit. It was in the Fellowship of the Rings, the Two Towers, and the Return of the King. Every single book had something about that. And uh, so in The Hobbit, it, it said, it is time the songs began to prove themselves again. So it's this, this idea that as children, the hobbits would be learning these songs, and they would be hearing these stories, and they would be hearing these folklores, and they these, were, these things were true. And they were... In, in their, their adventures, in Frodo's adventures and Bilbo's adventures, they were, they were seeing the things that were spoken of in the songs come true. They were, they were seeing the, the evil spoken of. They were, they were seeing the dragons, you know, uh, 
and, and it was coming true. And, and I just loved that. And, and it kept going back. And there was almost this idea that, that we also saw in, in the Chronicles of Narnia that perhaps children have a better inkling of, of the truth going into it of these stories and, and, and these stories, these stories being true. Whereas adults may think, oh, those are just, those are just tall tales. Well, in, in Fellowship of the Rings, there, there's a line, there's more truth in some of them, the, the children's stories, than you reckon. And it just kept coming up over and over. And I just loved that. And I loved that they would try to remember songs as they, as they were in different situations. The next thing that, that I loved was the fact that Mordor was built to keep people in. Mortar was the the place of ultimate evil. It was the place where the ring had to go to be destroyed. It was where the ring was actually was first made, and uh, but just this idea of 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 the walls around mortar were not to keep people out. the 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 temptation was was for the evil to to go towards the evil. So you didn't need to keep people out from going in. You needed to you needed once they were in to keep people in to not let them out. And I just thought that was a brilliant insight on Tolkien's part. The next thing is, I, I, I thought this was amazing. Uh, in the two towers, they're, they're moving towards two different towers. One is Orthanc, and that's where Saruman is. And then there's Mordor, and that's where Sarun is. So as they are, as the, the fellowship is, is moving towards Orthanc, the first one, and, and the fellowship's kind of split up at this point, but as they're moving, they're, they're having to do, deal with just terrible things, and it's a daily thing. It's just, it's constant. And it's almost like you're just having to put one step forward and just keep doing that, knowing that there's this huge tower coming up, there's going to be a huge battle there, and... They're just they're having it. It's like the daily habits. It's like just having to do these small things over and over. And the brilliance of it is once they get to there, once they get to Orthanc, everything's been taken care of. The Ents, these trees, they have, they have, they have killed the the orcs. They have, they have set things in order to where they just walk in. And I thought that was such a brilliant picture because the. The struggle, the hard part was the small things. It was the, the daily, it was, it was the step-by-step action and the things that were required, were required the, the little acts of courage to get there. But once they were there, there wasn't the huge battle. It, it, it had been taken care of. And, and the whole time, I'm, I'm just expecting this epic battle to take place. And there, there were other places where they went and, and there was an epic battle. But just the fact that they, had, they went to that, that one place expecting this huge battle, once they got there, it wasn't the battle. So the actual important part was the small steps to, to get there. I just, I loved that. I thought that was so brilliant on, on Tolkien's part. In um, in the final book, this may be a little bit of a spoiler, but but not much. Um, the one thing I loved is that Gandalf does not go the final rest of the way to the Shire with the hobbits. There there are still some evil, even ev- there yeah, there's still some evil going on in the Shire, and they kind of expect Gandalf to be there to help them with it, 
but he makes a statement that no, you have this whole thing, the, these these four books that we've been reading, everything that's happened in those, that has been preparation for them, these hobbits, to go back and deal with things in their home. And I loved that. I loved that that Gandalf does not go that that last part, but but entrust them with with uh, with that. Uh, or think that uh, that tower, that that first tower I mentioned, it's located in Isengard, and you get this picture that uh, the, the, well, the trees have been removed. There, there's there's fires. There's there's technology. There's um, there's construction there there's there's these just huge holes in the ground where they're forging metals and and you just get this picture that that any anything green in this area is just is long gone but one once once isengard falls once orthanc falls water starts to come in and then a garden and streams flowing through and it was just a beautiful picture of, of a restoration after the land had been stripped, uh, this just this restoration. It was beautiful. I, I loved that. And the last thing I loved is just how the story would inv- unveil itself. So you'd have these chapters of of action, and then uh, one chapter in particular in the Fellowship of the Ring, the Council of of en- Endor, or uh, I, can't, I can't remember the name, but. There's this chapter uh, where they're going into so many details, and, and it just it helps tie uh, Elrond, Elrond, the Council of Elrond. It helps tie all these things together that you've been reading about. And you're like, oh, that that makes sense. That makes sense. And so that that's how it would happen. You'd you'd have these chapters of of just high action, high drama, and then kind of a regrouping in in the next chapter. And well, here's here's how all these things make sense. But instead of you getting the the story right away, it's like it just trickles out the entire time. And that was so cool. And I just loved how the story would would unveil uh, piece by piece. And that would that was so brilliant over these fourteen hundred plus pages. Now into segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from the Lord of the Rings series. And it's this: the good characters in this book, in this series, were those who understood the power of the ring. There was no one who was above the ring in the sense that, oh, the ring, you know, it it doesn't apply to me or it it can't tempt me. I'm I'm so I'm so high above this and I'm such a good character and and there there was no absolute good person in this book or character. Everyone could be tempted by the ring, and the if 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 there were good characters, it were it was those who understood that they could be tempted and they looked they looked at it with trepidation as opposed to looking at it with oh I could do a lot of good with this this ring. And so that was that's the distinction between the good and the evil characters in the in this in this series. It's those who who understood that, who understood the power were were fearful of it but also wise about it. And those who were the evil ones may have had a desire for good in their in their hearts of wanting to to take this ring and, and do good with it, but it was a it was a naive 
it was it was a naive feeling, a, a naive sense that they were going to be able to 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 use this ring for good. So so however you look at the ring and, and how what it signifies, that is the one thing that stuck out to me in that the good the good characters were those who who approached it with trepidation. Something I'm still thinking about with the book is just, is just the title of the series, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, in Fellowship of the Rings, we we find out that, well, here, uh, let me just read this section. Uh, Hooray, cried Pippin, springing up. Here's our noble cousin. Make way for Frodo, the Lord of the Ring. Hush, said Gandalf from the shadows at the back of the porch. Evil things do not come into this valley, but all the same we should not name them. The Lord of the Ring is not Frodo, but the master of the Dark Tower of Mordor, whose power is again stretching out over the world. End quote. So the Lord of the Rings is Sauron. And I, I just keep thinking about that. Why, why is he the Lord of the Rings? Um, they were forged under him. He, he had once been the, the wearer of that ring, but it had been cut off of him. And so he was not Lord of the Rings. Uh, there were other rings, and he was not Lord over them either. He, he was Lord over nine of the rings that were given to men, and they, those became the Black Riders. But he was not the Lord. He's not the Lord of the Rings in this series, because the rings are not under his watch, or he, he's not the Lord of them under this. So I... I guess that's just one of those puzzles that I'll be thinking about for a while of, of why it's called the Lord of the Rings. I'm sure I missed something really basic here, uh, and so and so if I did, I you know I'd, I'd love uh, I'd love to hear from you on on what I missed. But that's something I'm still grappling with and and um, thinking about of why it's called the Lord of the Rings. Um, you would think maybe Gandalf was the Lord of the Rings or or Frodo or or Bilbo, but uh, but they're not. It, it, Sauron is is the Lord of the Rings, and but why? So something to, to consider. Taking a step back, going back to what I discussed in segment one, uh, reading this was, was sort of a personal breakthrough for me because, as I mentioned, most of my life I, have, I just could not do fantasy. And something shifted. I, I started reading it as if it were true. And I, I just spent almost 50 hours in pleasure reading fantasy, something that has never happened in my life. And all because of a minor shift in how I approached the series. I I also did a few other things while I while I read this and, and I, I hope this inspires you and, and maybe maybe you you have always uh disliked fantasy as well or maybe it's a, a different genre. But but maybe these these ideas will help help you. So here are a few things I did. Um Obviously, viewing it as if it were true, that, that was the biggest thing. But another thing is I, I listened to the soundtracks while I was reading it. So just even tying the books to, to music helped me while I was reading. I, I would just put on the same thing every time. And, and it wasn't always the soundtrack. Um, sometimes it was just music that, that kind of gave the feel of the book. And so every time I would sit down, I would put on that music and, and it would just kind of get me in, in the mindset of that. 
Um, I scoured the maps. I, the, the versions I had had these huge maps. I had them out. I was marking them up. And it just, when, it, when I thought about the book then, my mind immediately went to those maps. It's like, okay, here's where this happened. Here's, here's where, where I am right now in the book. Here's where they're located. It just, it, it helped me to, to picture things going on. Uh, especially where it's hard for me with fantasy, my mind wanders. Having that map, having that physical location of where they were was was very helpful. Uh, I also did something that I, I try not to do, and that is that I watched the movies. And I was very careful not to watch them until I had read the parts in the book. That became a little difficult with The Two Towers because the book in The Two Towers is, is split between... Uh, Orthanc Tower for the first half and then um, Mordor for the second half. But in the movie, they they kind of intertwine. So uh, I had to be careful with that one. And, and I didn't get to the end of the movies yet. I'm, I'm still gonna, going to to watch those. But again, just with fantasy where I had trouble of, of visualizing things, of, of seeing the importance, having, having the movie to go to after I had read it, uh, because yeah, after I'd read it, that helped me in, in reading it. So I, I take that with a grain of salt. I, I do not recommend watching movies, uh, especially before you read the book. You, you want to go in with your, your own imagination to the book and have the, those pictures come up in your head. But for me, it helped me get into these books and I needed all the help I could get. And so I watched the movies after. I would, so I, I would just watch like 30 minutes a, a night after I had read that part in the book. Final thing I did that that helped is to to insert myself into this story of almost tying it into a personal journey. So Frodo is going on this journey. Uh, Bilbo is going on this journey, and it's something that he need that he needs to do. It's 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 something that has come upon him. Is there something in my life that that I I just I know I need to do. And, and, and can, can you read the book in that mindset of, okay, look at, look at all that he is going through to get to this, to get to this task. Things are not pretty here. Um, there is a lot of evil on this path. He knows where he needs to go. He gets some, some, uh, cuts. He gets some, some injuries that never heal. And so maybe that's part of the journey. You know, you're going to be going through it. If, if you pursue this, tying it into your own story as, as you're reading it, just kind of, I don't know, it just, again, makes it more alive or, or makes it more true. So to recap, this is an incredible series. Tolkien has created an entire world. He's created maps. He's created his own language. He's created generations of, of people and orcs and elves and dwarves and hobbits and ents and oliphants, uh, elephants, and all these different groups. I mean, it's just, it's, it's astounding. It's, it's mind boggling how much depth there is in these books. And so you could, for no other reason, you could read it for that, just to see one person's imagination run wild and to create this world. I'm so happy I read it. I'm so happy uh, my friend told me to read it as if I were as if it were true. That made all the difference. And I have a a deep love for this series now, one that I could never get through having attempted it multiple times throughout my life. 
That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I would seriously love to hear from you because I know I missed a lot in this book. I know I, I've not uh, understood everything. And I would love to hear what I missed. I would love to hear from you in in what you love about this series. And you can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. I spell my name with a K, so that's eric, E-R-I-K, at booksoftitans.com. Please share your thoughts uh, about this series, and and maybe if, if you've had a, a similar experience or, or you found ways that have helped you read books that that maybe you, you weren't necessarily excited about getting into. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter. I post a lot about what I read. Uh, on Twitter, I'll post quotes and, and links to different things. And then Instagram, I just like to share what I'm reading every day just to show that any reading project you do, it's going to be a daily habit. It's going to be something that you that you do every day. You can also visit the Books of Titans website. It's stock full of resources to help you find the best books and to create your own reading list. I'll be back in a couple of weeks, discuss another series of books or, or something related to, to reading. Uh, until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out. I'm out.